Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the 10 Laws Podcast with East Forest. I am Mr. Forrest. Thank you for joining us again this week and thanks for subscribing. And I guess now you can give reviews on Spotify. For, so thanks for everyone who's able to give a review on Spotify and Apple. We appreciate it. This week, I have a conversation with Marissa Rada Wepner. She is my partner. She is a ketamine therapist, a yoga teacher, instructor, a yogi, a, uh, a kirtan lover, a coach, a life coach. She's all around uh, one of these manifester type people who get things done and good things happen and seems to have some things figured out both uh, you know, naturally, just graciously, but also intellectually. So we always have a good time getting into these uh, roundtables together. And we do these little Radha Krishna roundtables where we just kind of dive into whatever's coming up for us this week. And um, I was feeling pretty, we were both pretty tired when we started this one. We were like, let's just do it. Let's do it. So we dove right in and it was another good one, of course. And I'm sure that you're going to enjoy it. Uh, I do want to say, just like a heads up, there's some tour dates. It's February 16th. We'll be in Las Vegas at Area 15. And February 12th, we're doing another Journey Space event. For the February 12th, that's a virtual event, journeyspace.com. And I'm premiering, it's like a world premiere of a a new ceremony, four-hour ceremony album that's meant for you to journey to, however you deemed journey. And uh, Journey Space is essentially a platform where you do that in real time with live facilitators in a small group. So you get to witness one another. So go to eastforce.org or journeyspace.com and you can learn more about that if you want to hear that new music and have an embodied experience with it. And then in early, early April, we'll be in London and Dublin. So for all our friends out there, Uh, Thank you for telling your friends and helping me have a wonderful first show in both of uh, those lovely places. I'm really looking forward to that. And everyone on our council, we have a council on uh, Patreon. (laughs) Patreon.com slash East Forest. This is a place where you can support this podcast. We have a lot of fun. I get to share lots of demos and do things like live streams from time to time and I really appreciate everyone who gives support that way. You can do it in a small way or a bigger way. You can join our monthly Zoom council and see if it's right for you. Eastforest.org. Thank you so much. So we're going to dive into this. This is a conversation, a Radha Krishna roundtable with my beloved, Marissa Radha Webner. Here we are with another Radha Krishna round table. No table. Uh, welcome back after your your uh, COVID spell. Back to the land of the living wing? Yes. So you uh, well, were both just out of quarantine and you just had a bit of a spell. You can't smell. I cannot smell from my spell. Yeah. Smell and then taste also goes. Right. Right. Which is when uh, when when all this got revealed in 2020, and that not tasting or smelling was a side effect. Yeah, this is the only thing I was kind of worried about losing or having happen to me. So it bums me out. That was more fearful than like anything. Period. Myocarditis or death. <laughs> anything. <laughs> anything. 
It wow. was it was the worst possible thing that could happen. Wow. And uh, it's happening. So how am I dealing with that? Uh, hmm. I, it definitely bothers me. I think I try to be hopeful that it'll come back. And it's also like a interesting experiment of self of like, how do I, how am I in the world if I can't smell anything or how am I in the world if I can't taste anything that I'm eating? And I've felt like maybe I'll eat more healthy things because it doesn't matter what the craving is. Like today I made you tea, you know, and typically I put some honey in the guayusa for myself and I'm like, why would I need honey? It doesn't yeah, matter you, if it's sweet or not. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I mean, um, there is like, if, if your body's wanting sugar on like an addiction level, it, the sugar would still give you that fix. You just wouldn't get the pleasure of it. Well, I eat for pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I smell for pleasure right. too. Right. Uh, I'm sorry this, this arm is going across you in the video, but um, it's okay. I don't know. It's, it's like sort of a, an ad hoc it's censored. Thing. My chest is censored. Yeah. Well, so does it make you have more compassion for people who uh don't ha you know are less ambulatory with all their senses in general mm -hmm. or um how has it changed any of your perceptions on just like just this wide diaspora of experiences people go through with with covid i do think i have compassion i think i've had compassion yeah and i, I like i said i've had a lot of compassion for the people that i've heard can no longer smell or taste like every time i've heard that it just would get to my heart mm. and so because you enjoy food or there's some kind of trauma there about no like, i think it's just enjoyment like mm. like feeling like you're cut off from something that gives you so much pure sensorial pleasure like smelling things brings so much joy Yes, there's bad smells too, but like I really enjoy my sensory interaction with life. And so to feel like that might have been taken away or it was taken away for others or now it's taken away from me, it's just like, fuck. Like maybe it won't be as bad as I feared it would be because leading up to now, it was like, that's the worst thing that could happen to me. Mm. And um, I guess I'm afraid of what I what might emerge that I'm trying to replace that pleasure with now that that pleasure is gone. Cigarettes, yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't even be able to, I mean, maybe. Well, I don't know. Theoretically, the nicotine would still hit you. you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Then what was I don't think cigarettes is about taste. It's more just about the drug. Well, it's about and the, 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 the oral fixation. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. not going to start smoking cigarettes. But it is a question of like, well, mm. will will another desire to have pleasure that's been taken away be reduced or will i like start to feel depressed because of that lack of sensory pleasure i hope not i i didn't know it was it struck so close to home to you that particular um thing you know like there's it's rare but people who can't feel pain mm -hmm. it's really dangerous because they hurt themselves all the time you know it's like you're getting this feedback about that is hot, don't touch it, or, oh, ow, I've, you know, whatever. It can be very, very dangerous for people. They break a lot of bones and stuff, and it's on accidental in a, in a sense. But for you, I'm wondering, like, there's less of a danger that you're going to not be able to smell something where your body naturally is saying, oh, don't eat that. 
Um, but in some ways, you do use it like your senses. Um, for instance, I, I heard someone was developing this kind of sensor. It's just something I heard to use in the grocery store to tell you like if a particular uh, apple has more nutrients than another apple. Hmm. And But I was like, you know, the, because of the biodiversity, the soil and so forth. But we do this already. You mm -hmm. know, you look at it, you smell mm -hmm. it. You just have an intuition. You're like, I want that one. Yeah. You know, I mean, some of it's Well, I've noticed myself doing that with certain things like the sniff test, the yeah. whiff test. And yeah. I'm like, no information was just provided to me right now. Uh. And um, so... That's a little, so it is a little scary because you feel there's a vulnerability there, even on a like epigenetic level yeah. of like... Your body's like, I need that. I need that information to be what I consider safe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I feel that. I noticed I could get still a sense of like sour, had a sensation. Benji, you know, he was asking me last night, what is your least favorite food? And I said, well, you know, I hate peas. Oh, you should have some. And he said, you should have some. Oh, he's very smart. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, it's not just the taste of peas. It's also the texture. Yeah, they so have a particular kind of mushy. Even though I couldn't taste them, still the texture would turn my stomach because now everything is texture based. Though, though, like I said, the, some like s intense spectrum and like sour. It's not that I taste sour. It's like I can tell something's happening in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> It's like a pop rock. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it's. I imagine it's. A, it's a very disconcerting, especially since it's only been a couple days. But I mean, oh, I'm grateful that you know you're not dealing with some of these other things. Very, very grateful. <laughs> and you know, caring for you during that experience, it's. Uh, it's a scary experience on the other side too, because you're just kind of like, well, especially with Omicron, you're like, what can I do? I mean. I'll do my best, but it's probably swimming around all over the place. And uh, actually, I took uh, <laughs> I took Ned CBD. Uh, they had just sent me some, and I I heard that might help. With mm -hmm. you know, there was one small study that was interesting, and uh, we took a mushroom blend, like basically like a Paul Stamets seven. They just didn't have that in stock, so it was another one of equal. Ohm. It's expensive. Ohm. <laughs> yeah. Know? And, and an immunity blend of stuff and zinc and vitamin D. Yeah. Whatever we could basically get the immune system really You love up. your apple cider vinegar. We went through like a jar, one of those full-size large liter. jars, almost the whole thing. Yeah. In, in two weeks. And I, so I got pretty sick, but like cold sick and tired and you stayed healthy and you fought yeah. it off. And though you were certainly, I definitely exposed you with yeah. our yeah. connection. You... <laughs> It's a legal connection. We, uh, we're allowed to have connection. <laughs> Would we have not have been? <laughs> no, I don't know. It's just such a, like, euphemism. <laughs> yes, our, our connection. Our um, intimacy did not cause you to get COVID. Yeah, and as everybody knows, everyone who's got Omicron got it from being intimate with someone. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Kiss, kissing in the back. Snuggling, well, a little nose touching. Like, who did I get it from? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You were on a trip in Montana. I don't know. One of those, uh, you know, those trauma workshops that you yeah, went to. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's always rubbing noses. Well, I the ironic thing is deep when... hugging, extra long hugging. I'm sure went <laughs> no, on there. No long hugs. Well, the funny thing in Montana, I did wear a mask, an N95, all day. 
during this training and test every single morning. I yeah, tested four times. You had to Negative. travel there. Yes. And you were hanging out your family. And I'm guessing it wasn't the same protocol. I did go to the Bozeman Hot Springs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure you, <laughs> yeah, I know how it goes. So. But Wednesday night, I was talking to my students having our monthly group call. And I was saying, I am so nervous about getting COVID and not being able to do our Mexico retreat, which is now like three weeks out. Yeah. And then that night, I was like, uh-oh, there's a feel in there. You called it forth. I guess so. The silver lining is now I won't have to worry about getting it for Mexico and it ruining the trip. I just yeah. like got it out of the way. And you were an excellent caregiver. You were incredibly loving and supportive and sweet. And fortunately, you had a separate room and a separate bathroom. Right up there. And yeah. you were you could not be more wonderful of a caregiver. I like to do that. Um, there's a bit of server soul in me, maybe more than a bit. Uh, because if you think about it, sort of East Foresting is that vibe too. There's definitely the like warrior spirit in there. Definitely. Well, what's interesting for you is that like... I have a little bit of all of them. <laughs> yeah. Outside of I have COVID and I need your help and I'm sick. Prior to that, you're so vigilant and a little aggressive about it. And it's definitely a factor. And it, people would think like, oh, because people ask me this. Like, I'm not Rada, aggressive. You're just so lax. It's like well, I'm just trying to like keep the bare minimum. People have said like, Rada, if you get COVID, what is Christian going to do? Thinking like you'd be mad take care of you. or you'd shame me or you'd be, you know, just like This was bad. your fear or their fear? Their people. Well, multiple their people. I'm just saying, yeah. knowing how you are about it, people were worried. You couldn't have been better. And I would say that when people would say, what would Krishna do if you got COVID? I would say he'd be amazing. Well, it's just he exactly it so shows loving. that whatever their trip is, what, it's their trip. I mean, I, I, it's not my hang up. You know, like I'm here to serve uh, you the most, but I really do enjoy being of service and need to people. You're, you are fantastic. I have learned from you how to be a better caregiver in that way. <laughs> I have. I have. I've learned from you. I only laugh because I know how you grew up. You probably had none. I bet Zero. if you were sick, you were just like, go find a hole like a cat well, and, and, be... and wait till you're healthy. <laughs> so, I would, because like, you're vulnerable get... right now, you might be robbed. No, what comes to mind memories of being sick when I'm little is like Sprite. Sprite like room is temperature, the worst thing to give you. Room temperature Sprite and like Campbell's can of chicken noodle soup. You know, like the extra soggy noodles. Oh, I used to, I used to be all about that. The tiny little squares of what we think that's chicken. SpaghettiOs and meatballs was my favorite food as yeah, a child. The can. Like if Chef I took, Boyardee. if I put that in my thermos and went to school and for lunch had chef, uh, SpaghettiOs and meatballs or on a or a beefaroni. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> oh yeah. I was like, that was a good day. I tried to feed beefaroni my to Maya and lunchbox. Benji, and they were like, what is this shit? Well, it is it is shit. <laughs> it's dog food, basically. It. It's basically like, one step above dog food. I don't know. We ate it when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> a uh, lot. We ate it a lot I, when I was a I kid. Can't, the stuff that I ate, <laughs> I would take um, Hungry Man TV dinners, mm -hmm. two of them, heat them up. Hungry dump, Men. Yeah. Dump it onto a plate. Take a knife, cut it all up so everything's Salisbury based on mush, steak. and just mush it all into one big mush and eat that. And I love that. <laughs> when I was really little, I wanted to work at McDonald's for obvious reasons. Yeah, that was my burgers goal. Burgers and fries. And the number two is my jam combo. 
Which is two, I think it was two cheeseburgers I, and a medium I, fry. That's, if I were to go to McDonald's today, that's what I would Do order. Do they still have it? Two cheeseburgers, medium fry, and I just can't believe what I ate and like <laughs> how I turned out at all, like that I'm alive. Like <laughs> I would take, take your cereal, whatever cereal, and my mom would say things like, we can't buy you sugary cereal like Captain Crunch, so whatever. I would just dump literally a bunch of white sugar on top of like- um, Yes. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which is already like <laughs> super sugary. And that like kind of grayish oh, oh, sugar sludge at the bottom of the skim bowl. Skim milk. So, you know, it's healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lots of memories there. Oh, but boy, it's that addictive. Man, I'm having one of those every day. Sunny Delight. <laughs> I'd freeze those and that would be a snack. Frozen Sunny Delight. You know, but despite how it was when I was a kid, right now when I just got COVID, my mom couldn't have been sweeter. She texted see, me yeah. every single day. She and sent you on flowers. Me, and she's never sent me a flowers in my entire life. And she sent me a sweet bouquet of flowers. I felt really cared for by her in a way that I never have, even though she wasn't here. And by you and multiple, many friends would check in every day. Celeste yeah. checked in every day. Yeah. Other friends no, just true. here and there. And so that was like kind of a nice realization of like, oh, there are people that care about me and I do have connections and yeah. it does matter. And reaching out to people when they don't feel well, it does help. It does help. And that that was really beautiful. And then on the flip side of it, I felt really isolated and alone. And it yeah. was really difficult to be with you. I didn't touch you for... Yeah. I mean, I was... I was in the room with a mask and stuff. But it was very hard. It was, I don't. I, I told you it was like that we're relatively used to. Let's say I'm on tour, or I go down to Utah, or whatever, and we've kind of found that two weeks is kind of a rough ballpark. We're like, yeah, we don't really like going much longer than that without um, seeing each other. Ideally, separating for longer two than weeks. that, it feels like a long time. Yeah, but that's easier. Like when you're in different locales than being in the same place, but you're not ever even touching someone. Like on the shoulder, nothing. It was really hard. I've never done that in my life. It started to feel like we were roommates that had like sexual tension, but <laughs> hadn't crossed that boundary yet. We were living together, but not sexual. We well, wanted to be. positive in some <laughs> weird way. Yeah, I mean, um, but then there was that one day, I think it was like a weekend, a week into the COVID when in the morning when you woke me up and I was like, could you just touch me? And I touched you and you start crying. <laughs> yeah, I was laying there yeah. on the bed and you rubbed my back and I just cried because I just wanted to be touched. Yeah. And I missed it. And then I went and hand sanitized. <laughs> 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 that room, the room you're in just felt like a COVID bomb. You know, I'd open the door and just like put on the hazmat. And just like, oh my God, here I had the air filter on full blast in there. You know, it was dark. <laughs> the sheets are just all over the place. There's like debris. Tissues. <laughs> yeah, Used like, tissues. Oh, there's just, it was like, there was like new, there were new, there were new like COVID strains like forming <laughs> in different corners of that bedroom. New strains, yeah. <laughs> well, you, you, I'm glad you got through that acute part. Um, but so moving through that, um, you know, this time period, you've also, we were talking about, I don't know if you talked about on previous little roundtables about how your main goal was wanting spaciousness and time and how much you actually really enjoyed 
the first lockdown when you, you because you because you got to not just run all over the place. April 2020. You were time rich and you've just yearned and yearned and yearned for that. But I've also heard you say lately that you feel a bit more time rich or maybe just woven in with time more I efficiently. I feel like I, starting in the fall, I got super maxed out and things were really difficult for me and I definitely hit an edge and went over it and then was really asking for more spaciousness and time. And this has been my intention for over a year for sure but then acutely and so I recognize that it takes a while for the universe to catch up with your wishes like just because you ask for something or need it or know the direction you're heading you're not there yet and so things take time to unfold and unravel and I feel like Christmas we set ourselves up really well where we didn't go anywhere or travel, you know, or have big plans and or lots of things going on. So that week, and I didn't see clients or people, patients, and the kids were gone. So that was really spacious, the end of December, and felt so good. I love just being home and being home with you and nesting in a way. And then into January, similar, and then I got COVID. And so... I think I've recognized a lot more deeply within myself this pattern of rescuer. That you're the rescuer? Yes. And the way that that shows up is like over committing myself, feeling like I jump in and offer help. There's like. You almost always say yes to someone's request. Yeah. Yep. And that's the rescuer, the helper. So it's like victim or perpetrator or rescuer in this triangulation and people might identify more with a victim or like the judge perpetrator or the rescuer. Who's the perpetrator? Like in the, in like a victim judge relationship, like you did something to me Uh huh. or the world happens to me and I'm the victim of it. And I always need help. I have COVID brain. I Anyways. see a triangle in my head, but okay, that helps. Great. That's about it. Well, just <laughs> think about the idea of the rescuer. It's just like the one that's always trying to make things right for everybody else. That part, I, I got that one. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, I would I would say, though, there was a bit less of that. I've seen you say no a few times lately right, and, so I'm, and speak to it. I'm undoing that pattern, yeah. which is a conditioned pattern that I learned when I was a kid. It's long standing, right? And forever it's been unconscious. And so creating my own boundaries with stuff, being able to say no to things and, and that being okay, doing less key. and that yeah. being okay. Yeah. And, it's a scary edge, honestly, but it's exactly where I want to be and what I want to live into. And then the flip side of it is I just started reading How Can I Help by Ram Dass. Uh-huh. And that's all about service. And I'm very service oriented, but so I guess it feels like a little bit of a cognitive dissonance right now that I haven't quite figured out of like, how to not be a rescuer, but how to still be of service. Well, I mean, like you said, boundaries are the key to making it sustainable for you. And uh, they're, they're just sort of a necessary part of, like they have to be self-defined. It's, in, in some ways, it's kind of like we talk about choice. Like they are defined if you don't define them. They're just wide open. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like they, mm-hmm. you just you need to you might as well just well, what do you what do you want that you want to pull them back to ninety percent fifty percent? You got to have those boundaries, otherwise you're just sort of like a telescope or a camera that's turned to apertures so far open. There's too much sunlight coming in the picture. It's too much light for the photo. Mm-hmm. I think part of it too is starting to get to know myself better and get to know my own needs better or like a different need me where before I was able to sustain doing so much all of the time. Now that's shifted for me and I need more space and I need more quiet where before it might've been true that that was fine. And obviously it was because I managed it, but now I'm different. And so allowing myself to be different, allowing myself to evolve and shifting the way that I'm doing things. And I think COVID and the pandemic, the COVID time has done that for a lot of us where our habitual way of being halted and then it's now you're choosing like you said you're rerouting what actually is what is my flow now i don't know that's the question you can ask yourself oh what is how do i operate the best now it's different than it was before yeah yeah i mean there's no new normal or it's just a weird phrase. It's like whatever that it's a, it's a kind of a weird like it's almost like a koan in itself, new normal. Hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? Mhm. Mhm. Uh and so what's really just going on is just extreme change. Things always change. Usually usually it's just more gradual. Mm-hmm. And we still don't like it. And when the big things happen like something big happens to you, it's it's really hard, but here's this like this collective big thing all at once. And we're all reacting to it in different ways. And unfortunately, it's like, just keeps elongating and having cascading Keeps elongating and the pathway's not clear either. And the messaging isn't clear and it's very contradictory. Like with myself too, in, in a similar way, when I was really sick, I wanted to allow myself to take the time that I needed to recover. Because I think the tendency too for myself and a lot of us is to like push through, get back to it. Like how quickly can you see people again and be doing the work again and go back well, to work? You just, I think a couple of days ago, like two, were doing something like a session when you're first kind of quote unquote allowed to mm-hmm. through the guidelines and you were, you were like, wow, I'm feeling burnt by the time, you know what I mean? And I said to you, it's like, you may be like not spreading the virus, but it absolutely is still something you're fighting inside you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's the reality. Yeah. And so knowing... <laughs> That just, I think there's a tendency for us to like get back to work. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. And yeah. not allow yourself the time to heal that you need and overdo it. So I'm just trying to not overdo it. Mm-hmm. I'm maybe setting myself up to overdo it a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Well, even when you're down there, you know, you can do your best to uh, create those boundaries. But it's a hard time because. You know, even like things I think we used to believe in or things that were our our biggest allies, they've so a lot of things almost feel like they're switching polarities and going back and forth. Like what? What do you mean? Well, for instance, politically in, you know, sort of like in the, the hyper woke world, uh, the left becoming some of the ideas of the far right and, and mm. vice versa, like everything got fl- a bit flip flopped on certain ideologies about things like that or like the far left being anti-vax 
you know, for instance, things like that. So my point is like a lot of things that used to be like, oh, there's this camp and this camp and these are my things and my allies. And now it's like my ally now is not my ally and no one that wasn't my ally I have a little resonance with. And this is all mm-hmm. freaking me out. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know where to stand anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of amazing when things become less black and white because they never are. But we like to look at the world that way. Our brain likes to put it in these mm-hmm. compartments. And so when they start to get more gray and mushy, it forces you to to kind of choose things. But that's a, uncomfortable if you're not used to that. It is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. And you're not used to it. And the othering has is in some ways I see as the pandemic. The othering, the, the pandemic is othering more than you're saying. Well, it's just main... like so damaging to live in a mindset of othering. And that's become so amplified because of things shifting and people's worldviews like you're speaking to not being what they thought that they were or it's in question. And so then the tendency is to even a little bit double down harder because you want to feel safe and you want to feel like you know what you know and who's at fault. It's not me. I'm in the right. And that it seems to be exacerbating the separation, which just from my own sense of self, I want us to move towards more connection. But when we're in a place where we don't feel safe, our mind is literally just looking for what's dangerous to keep us safe. I I really thought that when this started, I was thinking, well, this will obviously break through a lot of those boundaries because it's something that affects everyone, no matter rich, poor, I guess worse if you're poor, but you know what I mean? It, it will affect everyone, everywhere on the planet. Uh, this could bring us together. Has that happened? No. Well, it is. what it is doing is burning down and exposing systems that are broken on yes. s- not all, well, it's exposing them all, <laughs> and some of them are falling apart, and some of that is destructive. But it's like burning the fields, uh, cleaning the slate a bit. You know, mm-hmm. th- it's apocalypse in the sense that systems are breaking down. Um, but that is probably the only way for new things to come to be. And it's not always like something breaks down and then we just replace it. There might be a, a liminal period, too, where there's no real support there. Um, and that's not good. But that's just sort of when I stand back and look at it, it seems on the face of it uh, what appears to be happening. What would you want to have happen? The least amount of suffering possible. How could that happen? It's just like when you were sick. That's what I want. I want you to get through it with the least amount of suffering, have the least amount of damage and the most positive outcome. So it's like, how can we all care for each other in a sense as one great sick world, one mm-hmm. great sick community. What would you do? It's like mm-hmm. you have patience, mm-hmm. compassion. You try to like, well, what are the things that will help? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- but it, it's exposing so many uh, traumas and hurts and fears and really putting salt in the wound on some of that and like really exercising some of these like boils, so to speak, you know, lancing. And that, boy, you've ever had a lance of a thing? Mm-hmm. It yep. is one of the most painful things. And I've had some painful things. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't have to go into that. We don't. We don't but, have to go into that. Thank um, you. That's kind of though, you know, you see the kind of crazy reactions um, that result in sort of these tangents about political things. Or... So what I hear, though, is like recognizing that 
we're all suffering and then we can give each other and ourselves more compassion. Even somebody that you might look at and think, label them as a them. Yeah, the symptom. understands of, yeah. that humanity of suffering. And, and yeah. maybe then the question is be, how can I not inflame that suffering that they're feeling? Yeah. I and mean, when someone, whenever, when anyone's pushed into a corner, there's certain reactions that can happen, all sorts of things. We all make mistakes in, in the heat of the moment and so forth and so on. But we also need to take responsibility for our choices. And that doesn't always happen. And that's you get in these, these entrenched positions where people are like, you're wrong, I'm right. You're wrong, no, I'm right. It's not about like, where's the middle ground or like, look, I'll, here, I want to, here's where I am a little wrong and I'm sorry about this and that, but I don't agree, agree with you on XYZ. Um, but here's what we have in common. You know, that's what I thought about COVID. Like, we're all humans. I, I mean, that, this, if this exposed so well, like, we're all that. And it, this will affect that. That's the one thing it affects. And talk about tribe human. And let's look at the causes and like, you know, what can we do to prevent this in the future? That's in everyone's interest. I you know? think that that's there and that's an aspect of it for sure. But I think, too, what's getting triggered for people is the fear of the unknown and the way that their whole life is changing and what this means on like a larger, more... I hate to use the word meta now because Facebook took it. <sighs> Those bastards. <laughs> but on a meta level, you yeah, know? no, I... Versus just the virus level, but the societal, worldwide level and the psychological yeah. level. And I feel like the way we dealt with this in the past, because certainly almost everything was unknown in the past. Like, what's the season going to be like next year? Mm-hmm. It was prayer, ritual. I mean, you just gave it all over to the unknown because there was nothing else to do. There was nothing else to do. There was no website uh, AI prediction. Uh, there was no data points other than like memory of like how the past ones have gone, the cycles. And we've totally, for the most part, given that up. Given up. The, we rely almost so much on like data to the point where like when the data starts to break down with, um, you know, quote unquote fake news, basically just an information storm, a blitzkrieg of information. It breaks our it breaks our system of like, but that's my data. That's that's how I make sense of the world. And now that's for kinda, some people. Well, for the la- for, since Newton, yeah, yeah. It's like this idea that it's like we can we can measure things. And I'm saying we ha- we don't have much to stand on. And we we used to stand on uh, prayer and ritual, sort of like the, the 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 things that are greater than just what our mind can harness. Well, and and connection and earth, right? I who was I listening to? I think it might have been in the Entheo wheel. Maybe I'm making this up. I can't remember now. It might have been the Entheo wheel, but now I can't remember. But just going back to shamanic traditions, shamanic traditions were all based on earth wisdom. Yeah. And all wisdom traditions come from shamanic traditions. And how can we live in right relation to the earth? So versus like measuring in data to tell you what is true, looking about to your lived experience to know what is true. It's just a side note. 
but I just read that the Chinese government is doing all this geoengineering to control the weather for the Beijing Olympics Olympics coming up here. <laughs> oh my which is this kind of stuff oh has God. been done before, but it, it raises all these interesting questions. What's been done before? Attempts at manipulating weather, which is moderately successful. I think, you know, blasting a rocket full like aluminum foil in the sky or, or whatever is a terrible idea. But more importantly, it got into this whole thing about like the ethics of geo- of manipulating weather because how it affects like neighboring countries. It's like no one's we haven't done this before. We're like, uh, hey, we're, you can't do that because that can make it not rain than over here next door, you know, which is obvious well, that there yeah, would be the care. domino effect. Yeah. Typically, that's the way it goes. You know, we, we do you one thing You can't just get a win without a loss somewhere else. You pull out a piece of string from the blanket of nature and the whole thing's like, okay, now we have to reweave the whole that blanket. That is just so fucked up. Well, and it's also, it's covered in smog. And and so, that, you know, last time I think they made, they made like all the factories stop and all the cars stop <laughs> so they could get rid of it and work to cover it of all the smog. They did the Olympics and then they went back to work. Yeah, but this time it's um, that plus bad weather and smoggy, gray, terrible weather. And don't they not get a lot of snow? Beijing? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, when you and I were in Shanghai, it was real cold, but I, that's a good question. Um, probably not a lot. I I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know much about the Olympics. Olympics are not something that I'm very pro in favor like of. Like, I never went. I didn't want to enter the Olympics because I thought just didn't want to take over multiple fields at once, you know. It wouldn't be fair. No, I mean, I'm not for the Olympics. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Not that I, I didn't go pro into the Olympics. <laughs> no, they, yeah, the Olympics, it's a side note, but it's it's a shit show of, of corporate stuff and not treating their athletes well at all. And I don't really understand a lot of it besides the old school glory of you know, bringing countries together and doing ice capades or whatever. But I know I'm a bit of a crank about it, but they, they don't treat their athletes very well. Yeah, that is a fact. And it's, Many and they make a lot of money. Well. It's a TV thing. And so it's like, well, come on, share it with the talent. That's just old school. Like screw the talent. Yeah. Um, and have the corporate interests make all the money. So they should have an independent Olympics or something with all the same athletes. They should just say, screw these guys get private funding from some tech company and just be like that doesn't i don't know this is a terrible plan anyway yeah um so we don't have to talk about covid all the time but we're really just kind of talking about change and what's in the air for for everybody and for us Um, when i talk about the cycle of change what's really potent for most people right now is the fertile void and to remember that they're in that you're in the unknown you're in the formless, you're between here and there, and that can be a scary place to be in. It's been a long time, too. That we've been in this yeah, transition going into space. the third year yeah. of a lot of unknown. What I've also noticed on the positive side of that is it seems like more people are willing to turn their consciousness towards the mystery or what's possible, or new ways of thinking. Like there's more entrepreneurs, more small businesses opening now than there were that closed. You know, people willing to like take risks and do something different and quote unquote follow their dreams. Yeah. Because they were given the opportunity to stop 
And that's good. There's more people, it seems like, at least in my world, coming to therapy or wanting to do work. I don't think it's a coincidence necessarily that the rise in psychedelics is meeting this moment, which when you have those experiences, you're in a non-ordinary state yeah. into the transpersonal. And yeah, no, you're, I mean, many, many people are, are, are stepping up to the plate of the change. And in some ways it's inevitable. It's like, how long do you want to fight it? Or you just want to start to gracefully as possible move with the, the river. Um, but that is definitely happening. And I think it's going to be a cascade many, many more. As What's we, a cascade? Many, many more people, uh, even more. Like it will grow almost what exponentially. Grow? People looking for help, for change, for assistance, for modalities, for themselves essentially to, all right, let's do it finally. Yeah. Um, not everybody, but, you know, as our good old friend Cordy says. Everybody graduates? You only need 10%. Ah, you only need 10%. You know, and, or, or no, he says, he says, well, you don't need everybody. And he says, there's good people everywhere. Millions of people. And yeast is a small additive in bread, but it makes the whole loaf rise. And we, we only need, uh, we don't need everybody. Essentially. Are you talking about ascension? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about crossing the bell curve from essentially like adolescence into closer into adulthood as a species where we can start to, to do some of the things we're talking about of, of just compassion and understanding for inter interbeing honesty honesty i mean all these things so the way really what we're talking about is is there a way to be sustainably together with seven eight nine billion people right now there is not um and these you could argue perhaps that uh covid is part of that right um there's some kind of natural reaction i know they happen but um anyway so I, I do think that uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a natural wave, but it will take um, well, over, over the next decade for sure. I noticed an interesting pull within myself. I noticed an interesting fight internally of, on one, the one hand, freedom, you know, the classic, like, I don't want my freedoms to be taken away. And on the other hand, recognizing the level to which Sometimes I don't make good choices and sometimes I need parameters. Wait, did I record that? <laughs> <laughs> and I want to sample I that. I need <laughs> boundaries. I need yeah. a regulation or I need a law. And humans, as we have done, left to our own devices, we've destroyed the planet. We've destroyed natural resources. By ourselves, we haven't been able to make progress on climate change. And so while it might be painful to think about freedoms going away, what if the earth couldn't exist or <laughs> humanity couldn't go on if we didn't put well, in especially here. real change of the way that we behave and interact with the earth? So that's the inner struggles. Like, Yeah, like laws are often there and regulation to force people to do things they won't do otherwise. Which are actually you know? good choices. Yeah, a lot and, of and you need a balance, but it's just like yes. down in Utah. Like, if you it used to be, you could do whatever you want, and so you could take a four wheeler and just go, just whatever you want. You could go like cruise around across the crypto do, biotic. Yeah, yeah. That'd be your thing. Um, and so some people are like, "Well, I still want to do that," but I mean, if it makes sense on paper, you're like, "Well, if a majority of people say you can't do that, then you can't do that." Okay, let's move on. Now we've made a law, Mister Bill. 
you know, and unfortunately it just doesn't work quite that simply. We don't want it to be dystopian where everything's taken away and everything's monitored and everything's regulated, but yeah. there, it feels like a, a shift into a different balance where we collectively and individually really oftentimes don't, haven't made the best choice for the earth. The mushrooms told Mr. Terrence McKenna the way to save the planet is all humans bear one child. And it's brilliant, really, because I, I'm not saying the government should force you to do this, like how China used to do it. Uh, but it's just sort of like every, you just live, do your thing. But over 100 years, we'll go down to is like a billion or two people, just naturally, after normal generations. And frankly, the load on the planet, if it was 20%, 25% what it is now, we would be even without changing anything, we'd have a hell of a lot more time. What do you mean by time? I mean, the resources would last longer. Like all the crises, we just have more time to figure it out. Not saying we would, but it's it's kind of a brilliant idea. It's like the planet maybe wasn't designed for, well, it certainly is not designed to in this Western mindset of extraction. No. And I'm not saying that I have any definitive answers or solutions of what, should or shouldn't be regulated, but I just notice if I'm really honest with myself and when I look around, we have a hard time, quote unquote, policing ourselves. Yeah. We, we go get the donut, you know, and uh, we do the things. Um, well, I, it's, it's a really interesting question about um, will and free will. I mm-hmm. still am a believer that we have free will, but I know there are many deterministic things about our behavior. I think Programs. I think it's a bit of both, of course. Um, but I don't know if anything, if anything, what this time has been showing you is, is sort of breaking down how certain of those, some of those systems that some people relied on more than others aren't really working for you now. Like what? Uh, you know, government stuff or whatever. What do you mean? Well, well, maybe healthcare, right? Okay. Maybe that's not working for you. Or um, just like the fact that more or less there was no real governmental response for all along. There's still, it was just kind of a lot of arguing. We got a check in the mail. Back in the Trump. Yeah, you got new teeth. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my point is, my point is that people were forced to kind of like, okay, I need to like to make some choices. Not, I'm not, they're not going to be made for me. I need a resource. I need to find this with community. You know, my friends who like you had mm. to. And in some ways that is positive. So you're not just sort of this supplicant to these powers just telling you what to do. And you're just like, OK, I go this way, I go that way. What percentage of people, though? Very little. Yeah. OK. <laughs> I'm just saying the doorway opened. The doorway opened. And that's pretty amazing. Yeah. The doorways that are opening and have been opening and are continuing to open. You get to choose how you walk through them. And I think that's like the the recognition that can really be empowering for people. Even if you don't, like you said, with a liminal void or the abyss. The fertile void. Yeah. Like the door is open, but it's just black. You don't know what's in that door. Well, it's that phase is a true process of change. You don't just like kind of like I said, the universe can take a while to bring you what you're asking for. That like that little while phase is the in-between of it was this, it's going to be that. The gestation phase. 
the womb phase yeah is you need time to move through that and for the new thing to come into being and patience we do not have what's you know the metamorphosis is a wonderful analogy uh that's soupy time mm-hmm. where it's just completely a goo it's like how is this possibly still alive let alone becoming something beautiful and so new? we're a goo we are a goo caterpillar has gooed yeah i like the birth canal analogy too of course you do yeah Oh yeah, because I love I love births. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you had to take it to like a sexual thing. I'm like, that's so gross. I mean, I'm I'm just about you know, we talk about the blood and the pain, was, and you're like, you love that. <laughs> that's not I'm the like, angle I was taking. What's the angle? The angle I was taking was you could say that because you don't know what it's like to give birth. You're oh. like, I love the womb, the birth canal. I'm like, I yeah, just man. honor all the birth that happens that I don't have to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it looks hard. It's terrifying um, to me. Yes. It looks really like being the idea of being pregnant. When I do a thought experiment, I get scared. Yeah. I read a meme today that was like, if men had to give birth, abortion clinics would be like Starbucks on every corner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The toughest people I've known have been women, you included. And like the kind of pain I've seen endured in life, women, I mean, men too. Sure. But I think women, I think there's some science behind their ability to withstand pain in bigger ways. And that's mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. Uh, so props. Women are the powerful yeah. species. Whoop, whoop, women. <laughs> and theys, all the theys out there. We love you too. It's not gender based. Just the hierarchy of masculinity that's been dominating. The patriarchy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also we're doing this at the the d- the depth of winter here in northern america and i'm certainly feeling that um this winter. year has already gotten off to a weird start yes you know our fir- the first day my first gig was canceled on the very first day i couldn't make it yeah in portland and then covid happened and um well how have you been feeling these past few weeks it's well i knew i January was going to be a time that I could basically be here and and not have to travel. Mm-hmm. So I was looking forward to that, and I had some things planned. And Miriam still came up to uh, collaborate, which is very fertile. But I've, I mean, on one hand, I've felt really strong, but I also feel really tender. Um, and I've also been feeling a lot of times like things I'm like, oh, I want to do X, Y, or Z, and I start doing it. And it's like, why is this not flowing or working? Well, for example? Oh, I'm thinking about music things, mostly. Mm. I'm like, a lot of times mm. I'll sit down to create and it doesn't feel like much is happening, but I still try. Could I just point out that seasonally it's winter, right? And that's like hibernation and slow and... You you are in kind of the womb, but as a cave. content creator, no. <laughs> that's where inside joke. But I so, would never <laughs> describe myself that way. It's mm-hmm. not spring, right? And no, spring yeah. is where the natural juices of of creativity tend I know, to flow. It's, it's a weird thing. Like the summer comes, and I'm like, oh, I want to go do all the outdoor stuff. For the past few years, that's actually when I feel the most creatively on fire. Mm-hmm. It's the sun and the heat, maybe, and then in the winter. It gets to be this time, what time is like five? And I'm like, I, I think I'm done. I don't have, I have nothing right, left. Right, but why can't that be okay for it you? It is okay. And, I, and so I guess you asked how I've been. It's been like recognizing that. And I have been taking a lot of like Good. going at, you know, just trying to say, like, I think that's okay for the day. 
Yeah. You put in some good work, and uh, that's going to be it. We're going to rest for a bit. That's awesome. Take a sauna, have, make some dinner. That's. I think that that's really healthy for you to do that. Because thinking that you have to be on your summertime schedule in oh, the dead no. of winter. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. But we, if the well, truth is you getting COVID and all to... these other things. I'm just saying, like, it also wasn't, it's having to be flexible. It wasn't the plan. Everything was like, you know, Steve-O coming here, we had to move that because of course, everything's just like, I'm just having to be like, okay, this is, this is what's happening now. So let's roll with that. And I'm getting better at that. And I think that's a skill that we all can, the more we get in flow with that, the happier we'll be. I love this quote. I think it might be Dan Millman, but it might not be, but it's the flexible shall inherit the earth. <laughs> is that a yoga quote? <laughs> the flexible, but the flexible of like spirits I know. and minds, the flexible, the adaptable will succeed, will survive. Well, that's probably also quite true on a, from an evolutionary standpoint. Yeah. You know? uh, it does behoove you on a very practical level to be flexible and adaptable and, and not so, and even from a Buddhist point of view, like not so attached Mm. It's like you just don't have to grab everything so hard. And then you have less that you have to let go of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, just let it, let the water run through the hands and you can cup it and drink it. and mm-hmm. But damning it, that's difficult. Well, a hand that's closed is a hand that also can't receive. Wow. That's, uh, we're getting into a lot of <laughs> aphorisms. We could do more metaphors. <laughs> Where are the fortune cookies? Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're healthy. Well, I know you can't smile. I'm glad you got through the acute phase. I'm out of the bed. Yeah. And I, I wish that sort of blessings for everyone. And I wish that we all can just take that breath and have some resiliency and compassion for ourselves and for others to say, man, this is not easy. And a process is underway. And it will continue to be underway with all sorts of little waves within waves. And that's totally expected. And so I'm going to be flexible. And we can find moments of joy and strength in that. Like, as I was saying, I I have also felt this month, even with all that stuff going on, sometimes like I have a creative moment that feels really beautiful and I celebrate it internally. I'm like, wow, that feels so good. Ah, I love that. I love that. The work he did with Miriam was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Miriam's an artist out of L.A. Or, I'm sorry, Vegas. And she, uh, she's very smart in that she, uh, we got to know each other a little bit on, online. And, and just as sometimes I'll meet artists and we'll just be like, say hi and just get on each other's radar. And I said... Yeah, I'll keep you in mind as a maybe see if I can find a place for you to sing on something. And I didn't, that was a while ago. And she, every now and then she'd check in, and eventually she just said, So listen, I'm coming to Boise in January. <laughs> uh, when are you there? And it wasn't like, you know, can we do this? Or that was just, when are you there? And I thought, and so I, you know, at that point, you kind of know someone a little bit. And you're like, well, I'll be here. And this, she flew in, got a hotel, showed up. And so I was like, all right, let's 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 do this. And I also have to hand it to her. She was very insistent that we start from the ground up in the room, that I didn't prepare anything. And 
I love that, but it's also like that's going to be a lot slower, and who knows what we'll get if anything. But it's 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 beautiful because then you're really opening yourself up to like who knows. So she's she up. She's just sitting on the couch here and kind of just forced me into like uh, play something, record that, add a beat, and just keep doing it because it was a short period of time. I was like, I should make the most of this. I still crapped out around six though. And <laughs> <laughs> we go have dinner and I was like, that's a night. <laughs> but we, we did get, um, we got about four or five ideas in the can and she's a wonderful singer. And it w- I found it very creatively um, fecund. Fecund. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fertile, rich. It, it, just, it just, a lot came out that, you know, there's even one track that I was working on, this particular track. I know she said don't, you know, but I had this one track that I was like, I tried working on it. I just felt like, man, this is not interesting. And I pulled it up with her here and suddenly it became interesting. I don't know why. Same track. But then I was like, oh, we could add this line and this line. We could do this thing and this mm. thing. You sing this. And then I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Inspiration. But I had been slaving over it before. And I was just like, this is schlock. You needed a new ingredient. You needed her magic. I needed, it was also the, the withness. The witness. <laughs> the witness. Bio. Bioacomalafe. Witness. I really like Withnessing. that. Witnessing. Witnessing. Yes. Like, or day reminded me of that on our podcast mm. together. Uh, and there's a lot to that. Being witnessed. Uh, it's way more than just someone seeing what's happening. It's it's an energetic gift. It's a, a churning of energies that are of unknown, unseen Portions and things happen in all different ways. You know, it could be very negative. So you're like, I don't like this energy, you know. But when you come up, when you show up with that sort of abundant giving like that and openness, mm-hmm. we're like, I don't know if you make mm-hmm. any song, I'm happy with that. And it wasn't even like, let's make songs that work in this style or for me for this track. It's more like any song. Like, like a piano song or an ambient song or an experimental song or like a electronic song or hip hop song. So that's definitely you can do what you want when you have no limits like that, I suppose. What a gift. Yeah. What a gift she gave you. Yeah. I can't wait to hear the final product. So what are you uh, looking forward to? <sighs> Spring. Yeah, crocuses me too. Me too. crocuses I, I miss our friends in australia deeply i yeah, i look forward to we'll going go back, back to australia around this time of year mm-hmm. i look forward to the continuing the work that i'm doing with the ketamine therapy i really love my somatic experiencing practice and just this my my yoga my yoga my chanting tony g tony g yeah. i've been doing tony g's Elements. What is it called? Elemental? I th- Five I think it's elements? called elements. elements. Just elements. I played the music for it with Udaya, and it's online, right? It's on Udaya, U-D-A-Y-A, Udaya.com. And Tony G made this this complete package of meditation, pranayama, build your body, and then a class for all the five elements. And you're playing and live. Yeah, meditation, yeah. pranayama. But you're playing live for every class. Yeah, in Bulgaria. I picked it up since I was just at home. And not getting to do my yoga and not in the studio. And I love it. I love Tony G. <laughs> He's awesome. He's Great energy. so wonderful. Yeah. So 
You're you're also on yeah. Udaya. I've got classes so you, you on could, People go there. You could see both your classes, mm-hmm. and th- some of them are on YouTube, like one of each you or something. You could probably like search them. Yeah, yeah. but they want to try it. Hmm. Or I think there's probably a, like a free trial if you go to udaya.com. It's super high res and like high. The, the yoga classes are filmed on Hollywood movie Red studio cameras. sets with three different cameras yeah. all over the place. The best production quality. Yeah. Really, the best really. best music. The best. <laughs> I had the best music. Some of my, my favorite musician friendships were born out of Udaya. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just thinking back to that whole experience. It's crazy. We can talk about that another time. Yep. Well, but props to Udaya. Thank you, Yareev and Patty. It's 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 uh, dinner time, Miller time, as they say. And um, thanks for coming back on the show and Always for letting me pleasure. do this weird visual setup here. Always also, I look enormous, and you look smaller because of the camera. <laughs> it's this. the jacket. I know the, the East Forest jacket. Yeah, I uh, I won this. It was a major prize. <laughs> A major award. Yeah. Boulder Outdoor Survival School. He didn't win it. You bought it in an auction. Well, I was the highest bidder in a silent auction. <laughs> that is winning. Yeah. That's you, winning. You paid for it. I am a winner. It's not like a raffle where you you got your number drawn. Well, I still was the highest bidder amongst silent bidders. That's true. Which is a mere $40. That's all this cost. <laughs> I was like, what a steal. I think you got Wool like a water shirt. bottle too. Yeah, I won that as well. Major, that was won. a, that was a major award, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the town of Boulder. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, and you are still life coaching, and that's going really, really well. And there actually have been people from all over the world working with you, and a few people who have decided they're going to come in and do a ketamine session in town, kind of like Miriam, but they're going to fly in and yeah, and do it. And that's these all these things are options with you, so. Uh, check out your Marissa Rada Wepner or Marissa Rada.com. R-A-D-H-A. Marissa right. with one S. Yeah. Keep it simple. All right. Thanks, friends. Well, thanks, Rada. We'll do this again. Always fun. This song that you're hearing in the background is called Highway One, and it is off the Orbits album. It's basically like a rework of the song Pacific Coast Highway from the Education of the Individual Soul album. So you've got that sample you can hear in there from Highway 1 uh, in, I think it was in Los Angeles, north of Venice Beach or something, one of those overpasses. And there's like a hand accordion thing that was from uh, San Juan in Puerto Rico. This gentleman was, was sort of walking around the streets playing it and I was shadowing him and recording that. So that's what this is, Highway 1. Uh, thanks again for the reviews and thank you for um, your support. Patreon.com slash East Forest. Check it out. Join our council. And I hope to see those who can make it in Las Vegas on the 16th of February. Journey Space. We're having a journey February 12th and early April in the UK. Uh, hit us up anytime you like. Team at eastforest.org or on the socials. And otherwise, I'll catch you next week. Keep walking your walk. Don't take any shit, my friends. But if you do, do it with grace. <laughs>